This is Dragon Talk. Well, ho, Hunter. Welcome to Dragon Talk, the Wrexham Supporters Association's football commentary. I'm Mark Griffiths. And today, a bit later on, we'll be hearing from Jake Edwards. Remember him? A big target man who played alongside Ian Rush for Wrexham. And with greater success in front of goal as well, quite frankly, than the, the venerable ex-Liverpool striker. And he'll be talking amongst uh, other things about his times at the racecourse, about his experiences as a youngster at the 94 World Cup, because he was brought up in America. And he also, at the end, talks rather interestingly about his experiences in the conference as well. He played for Telford for a while at this level, and he's got some clear ideas about what you have to do to get out of this level. He's a very articulate speaker, and he makes for interesting listening. But firstly... Being a bit topical, the issue of Dean Saunders uh, being Welsh manager. In a moment, we can hear from Dean Saunders because after the York City match, he did speak at some length about him and his position with the Welsh FA. Uh, it's, it's a strange situation, isn't it? It looks like Brian Flynn's going to be caretaker manager at least. And I mean, a part of me feels a bit daft. Dean Saunders won't be the next Welsh manager, I'm, I'm quite sure. But having said that, He's a lot closer to getting that gig than, than you might expect. I, I know you, you've got to look at it and think, well, hell's bells if Wales are seriously thinking about appointing a manager who's in the middle of the fifth level of national football, in England at least, then we've got a problem. Yeah, true. Like it, just like there's a problem with the players, players in terms of the, the small amount of choice that a manager has got, I think it's also true that if Wales don't go down the route of appointing a non-Welsh manager, and after the Bobby Gould experience, I wouldn't blame us if we never did, then there's very few candidates to pick from. You see the lists of the Bucky's put out, and Saunders is fairly well down them, but they're not realistic lists, the fact is. The likes of Tony Pulis and Kenny Jack have been floated. The Welsh FA are going to pay compensation for them, they're not going to do it part-time. They're certainly not going to give up successful club jobs to come to, to Wales. Likewise, Ryan Giggs, oh please, I mean, it's not way on earth Giggs is going to be the next manager of Wales. And likewise, you know, John Hartson, because he's high profile, says he'd like it, and everyone's talking about him like he's a genuine candidate. This is, again, no chance. But if you actually strip all those names out and look at, you know, who's really got a chance, it's all boils down to Brian Flynn and Chris Coleman. Saunders, really? Saunders can hardly point to his club records as conclusive evidence that he should be appointed, but he is inside the Welsh FA machine, and you never know. Say Flynn decided, or he'd rather stick to developing the young lads, that would be understandable. Let's be honest. It's a very secure job, that. I mean, we just had a change of manager. Flynn's place is in no danger at all. So, you know, Flynn might decide that being under 21 managers is a post he's not liable to get sacked from anytime soon, and maybe it's nice to have the secure regular income. If he did that, are we looking at a Tostin Coleman and Saunders? It's not as far fetched as you might think. So, anyway, after the match, as I said, Saunders spoke about the position, and this is what he said. Talk about another job by Nadine. Just ask you finally from me about the whale situation. Do you know what your future is within the international setup? Have you heard anything? Uh, at the moment, no, uh, I know as much as you. Um, I looked at Sky Sports last night and uh, I, I said on Sky Sports that Brian Flynn had been put in charge of the team for the next two games. Uh, and that's, that's all I've heard really, as far as, I'm, as I know, I'm, I'm still the assistant manager of Wales. What do you think of Brian Flynn coming in? Are you pleased by that appointment? Well, yeah, I've been involved, I've been involved with Wales since I was 21. 
Uh, I'm 47 now, so I was, I was that 26 years. I think I had 18 months off when I was at Newcastle as assistant there, uh, where I wasn't involved. So I've been involved for a long time, and whoever takes over, all I want to do is for us to win and qualify. You know, so Brian knows all the players. Um, it's two games that really we could do with two results and then take it from there. Would you fancy being involved with Brian at all, in some capacity? Well, are you Welsh? I'm not actually, but... Oh, right. You're Welsh, yes. Richard, aren't you? Oh. Would you? You'd want to be Wales manager, yes. wouldn't you? I think anybody who's Welsh, okay. if someone said to you, do you want to be the manager of Wales? I don't think many people would say no. So, eventually, when my time will come. Whenever, yeah. it's, whenever it comes, it comes. I, I mean, it's pro oh, sorry, it's probably breaking news to you, but I mean, I think Alan Curtis and David Williams, the talk is that they will come in to, to work on the coaching setup. So where does that... Absolutely. You know more than me. <laughs> you know more than me. I don't know. No one's, uh, no one's told me anything. Have you had not, not enough contact from the FAW? Um, I spoke to John Toshak, who rang me yesterday, and told me what he was thinking. But uh, and I spoke. I phoned Mark, Mark Evans. He didn't know a lot, but um, he said that there'd be there'd be things happening over the weekend, maybe Monday. Um, but. That's all I know. But ultimately, long term, you'd love the job, would you? Because um, this is still a temporary appointment, Brian it, Flynn, so in the long term, you'd well, still be interested. Well, as I said, my, my time will come, whether it comes now or it comes in a few years. Um, but, I, you know, I've got to do well where I am first. I've got to do well here and I've got to do well in my career. And um, as you said earlier, you've got to win matches. And um, I can assure you, that's what I'm trying to do trying to win as many matches as we can. So interesting. Uh, I, like I say, I, I stand by what I said, but I don't think Saunders will be next manager of, of Wales. In fact, it may well be, if it's right about Alan Curtis and Garrett Williams, that Wales will get, Wrexham will get Dean Saunders on a full-time basis rather than missing out on him for international weekends. But he is yeah, he's, he's closer to the being appointed than you might think. Strange, isn't it? There was gossip about him being appointed Hereford's manager during the summer, and that was daft. And yet it's probably easier for him to get the national job than it is to get a job at a club like Hereford United. Mm, draw conclusions you want from that. Anyway, on to Jake Edwards, a, a big centre-forward who I thought didn't get as many chances as he ought to have done, quite frankly, for Wrexham during the Brian Finney era. Let's take a stroll with him down memory lane. If I could ask you first, I mean, before you ever came over, of course, you, you were in America and... I believe you were a ball boy at some rather big games, weren't you? <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I was originally sort of from, from Manchester, but we'd, uh, with my dad's work in the, in the airlines so as an engineer, um, yeah, most of my sort of first um, number of years, we were living, you know, going abroad, living in Africa and, and the Far East, and then eventually to America. So we actually emigrated to the States in '88. Uh, so I, uh, I went on to. Uh, to you know, high school went through four years in high school in New Jersey, and then got a football soccer scholarship to a university uh, down in Virginia, um, which was a four-year program. And after that, which I graduated from there in '98, um, then I came to this, back to the UK to play. Uh, my last two the, win, the last two years at my university, I'd been coming over in my winter break and having um, uh, the month playing or training with uh, Tranmere Rovers each time. So through through a connection. Um, with Ian St. John, who, who actually had come over during the World Cup in 94 with Jimmy Greaves to do a program. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I met those guys then in 94 because I, I was in high school at the time, but I was a volunteer 
for the World Cup uh, host committee uh, in New York. And it was, yeah, it was good. In the, I guess in the run-up to the World Cup the year before, uh, we were doing lots of events around the city, um, sort of marketing promotional kind of events. And um, people like me that actually play playing football were doing um, uh, various sort of like football-related expos, little competitions, various things like that, um, getting people uh, um, with a football doing, doing things. So, uh, so it was good. And then during the World Cup, my role ended up being... Um, uh, as a ball boy, basically. Um, but uh, I guess you were on-field game day staff was your technical title. Sounds better than ball boys. But, uh, yeah, it was great. It was at a giant stadium in New York um, at that time. I think maybe I was about 15 or 16. Um, and, yeah, you were popping in and out of the dressing rooms, making sure they got everything they need. And then, um, you know, you sort of enter the pitch with the, behind the team and then you were... Um, you know, against the uh, New York Giant Stadium is, is kind of like a cauldron that just goes up straight. So there's a big wall around the pitch. So you're basically against the wall. And, and yeah, if need be, you're collecting a ball, putting a ball back on the pitch. Uh, it was a great experience. I got to do two games. Did the um, Italy-Norway um, game and then the Ireland-Italy game, uh, which is a, kind of a, a great game that uh, the Republic of Ireland beat Italy 1-0. It's Ray Houghton scoring a volley over the keeper. Um, and it was a great day, about 78,000 or something there. Uh, and then I managed to see a couple of other games while I was there, which was just a great experience. Uh, and as I said, through that, I met Ian St. John. Um, my dad was also a volunteer, but because he was based at the airport, he was he, he was sort of meeting and greeting and looking after people on, on the airport side. And, and I think the BBC had basically left uh, Ian St. John and Jimmy Greaves kind of stranded. And, uh with the budgets and whatever, they weren't perhaps looking after them. So my dad was the only one that seemed to recognize them and then made, made sure they got to a hotel and got, got a couple of dinners at some restaurants and, you know, and uh, sort of through that I got to meet them and, and through Ian it was a case of come back over to the UK whenever you want and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll get you training at a team somewhere. So that's kind of how I ended up coming back to the UK. And, and you ended up uh, at Wrexham, of course. And how did you find it? Were you glad to get the shots there, I suppose? You had a trial first, didn't you? Yeah, I did. No, it was really good. I, 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 as I said, the first winter I came over to, uh, I think it was 96, and I had a month at Tranmere. It was good. I played a couple of reserve games with them. And then I, and then I came back the winter of 97 um, to Tranmere again. Um, and had maybe three weeks with there. Um, and it was just sort of training and reserve games. Nothing was seeming to be happening for me. So uh, Ian said, well, let's go down to Wrexham. Um, and I had a week, I think maybe a week's training with Wrexham. And it, and it was really good and it went really well. And I played, I think, in one of the reserve game, And it was all very positive experience. So uh, they said to come back in the summer. So I, I graduated that May in 98 and came back in the summer to do pre-season with them. And we went on the tour to the Isle of Man. Uh, and signed um, at some point in that pre-season. So, uh, yeah, that was 98, yeah. So I had two seasons from there with Wrexham after that. And, and you find yourself arriving with all the fuss about Ian Rush arriving as well. What was it like to be working with him? Uh, it was a really exciting time. Um, uh, I mean, there's some really, really good players on the team at that time. You know, it was a bit of an older team. Um, they had some good players, experienced players, so it was great to be learning from those guys. And, and 
Uh, and of course, Ian Russia had arrived then. Um, so there's a you know a big media storm about that. And um, of course, you know he's a, such a legend in the game, and, and he was still playing and still looked incredibly sharp in training. And uh, so just to sort of watch him, and 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 uh, I think I played a couple of games with him, which was just a real bit of a you know dream come true, I suppose, for a younger player at the time. Um, yeah, and then he's then he eventually sort of taken on a coaching role of, of the reserve team. So I got to sort of um, see him, you know, work with him, learn from him, and, and uh, that was a really, really kind of valuable experience for me. Um, yeah, I got a, got a lot out of that. So I was very, very fortunate. I must be honest, and I don't want to put you in a corner saying this, but uh, personally, watching from the stands, I, I felt we looked a lot of more dangerous sides when you were in it than than when he was in it. I must be honest. Uh, you know, is it sometimes frustrating, perhaps trying to break into a team, but you've got well-established strikers ahead of you, and it limited your chances, perhaps, it, when you were yeah, doing well and you got a chance. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, I had such a wonderful time at Wrexham. It was my first sort of experience in the UK um, playing. And, you know, and, and all the coach, the coaching staff, the players, I mean, everyone was just brilliant, the fans. I mean, I just absolutely loved it. It was totally different to what I was used to. So, uh, you know, I, with rose-coloured glasses, you always look back, everything's just fantastic, isn't it? But uh, at the time, it was, um, yeah, it was certainly a challenge. I mean, I'd just come to a new, pretty much a, you know, a new country, let's say, and it was a new style of football, and I'm just trying to break into the side. And I did get some opportunities um, here and there, and, um, you know, I scored some goals, and I was scoring a lot of goals in the reserves at the time because I was getting a regular game there, um, and so I, I did get a couple of chances. But it was, yeah, it, you're right. It was it was it was frustrating because um, I guess like you're the new kid on the block, um, and it's it's a pressure environment, and they need results, and, and and you've got sort of established players who have had so many years in the football league, you know, and, and it just seemed like my first year, um, you had a couple of those players, and then you had Ian Rush who had come in, so. Uh, there's a big sort of emphasis to to get him involved in in playing, um, and then my second year, which I was feeling pretty positive about, then a you know a sort of a new influx of players came in um, forwards. So there was you, there was always an, an enormous amount of strikers at that club <laughs> for some you know which is perhaps unusual now you know now for the sort of lower league clubs, but then it just seemed like you always had five or six strikers who all you know could easily be playing. I think so. Um, yeah, and that was so. That was um, that was a bit of a challenge. I would have liked to have maybe uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I would love to have played more. That's for sure. Yeah, and I suppose that's a, that was a factor in you moving on. I suppose this, to get more. Well, of a yeah, that whole thing was a bit um, strange at the time. Yeah, because towards the second season, there was like I said, a lot of strikers and. Uh, it was difficult to get a regular uh, well any run in the side so the opportunity came to go on loan for a very for a few different clubs which i um actually kept turning down because i just wanted to sort of stay there and, and try and get in the side but eventually it was sort of it was kind of uh, made clear to me that would be the best thing to do so so the opportunity to go to telford which was in the conference at that time and i think i I don't know, scored a lot of goals there. Maybe it was sort of 12, 15 or something in about 11 games. So I had a good like run of games and goals there. Uh, hopefully with the idea of coming back and, you know, just getting into the side. So, I mean, I found that level at that time really fairly easy and it was not where I wanted to be. Um, so, so I was able to score goals there and do well. And then, and then But then it all turned into a, um, you know, a, a bid and, and they put a transfer offer in and... and, and uh, 
when the loan ended, the next thing I knew about it, I was in the office with the manager being told that they've accepted the bid and um, uh, would have liked to go, you know. It wasn't the point of the exercise for me wasn't to do that. I was yeah. to, just to get back in the side at Wrexham. But, uh, so I didn't, initially I didn't want to do it, no. Um, but then it was sort of made... Um, you know, it was kind of made clear that that's probably the best thing to do as, as far as, um, you know, I was a, yeah, I think I was a younger player, a little bit naive, and I, and I sort of decided, I sort of listened to the advice and, and, and decided that's what I would do. I would uh, do that, and it was sort of said, oh, you know, take a step back to take two forward kind of thing. Um, so I listened to that advice, and, and in hindsight, I uh, probably shouldn't have, um, because, you know, it is actually quite difficult once you go down a division or two to get yourself back out of that division. Um, and uh, as a striker, then you need to score an incredible amount of goals to get back up into a higher division. Um, so although I had great experiences at Telford, we had, some, we had a good team, and I made some good friends, and you know, I enjoyed my time there. Um, yeah, in hindsight, that was, uh, um, for me, I, I wish I, I, I could have somehow just stayed at Wrexham. But like I said, I was young, and there was a pressure on me to go, so, to, to make that move. So. Um, but it's fine, you know, that's the way your football goes. I had a few seasons there, then I went back. To, I got kind of fed up with football and the conference at that time because at the time you, you left Wrexham in the second division and you're getting to go to Main Road and Fulham and, you know, Millwall and you're playing where you want to be playing at that level and aspiring to go to push on. But then then it changes and you're going, you know, there's some, no disrespect, there's some decent teams in the conference at that time, but then... You're also going to places like Lear, RMI, and Scarborough, and places that you don't want to be going to on a Tuesday night in February. Um, <laughs> I don't know about how that feels now. <laughs> yeah, you know. So at that point, at that time, it was a night and day difference. So yeah, yeah. I got a bit disenchanted, fed up with it all, and then at the end of that, I left um, to go back to the states after that spell, which was I think 2002, yeah. and I had a year back in America, I had a few months playing at DC, and then I and a season playing it in South Carolina in the US leagues and I mostly enjoyed it although although I found it difficult because it was in the south and it was a summertime league and it was just incredibly hot um, over 100 degrees you know every game and it's it's only a six month season so there's a few things that I just you know I decided that actually now I want to try and get back in that league and, and do something there so uh, much to my wife's dismay after moving her back, <laughs> selling all the furniture. I said, let's go back to the UK. So I wasn't very popular for a bit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, in, in the end of it, they had some good experiences. We went to, I went down to Yeovil, had a, had a, you know, a good time at Yeovil. It was a good side. and Played some good football there and then moved on to Exeter, which is down the road, and we had a... Had a good side there. We had a good, you know, a really great run in the FA Cup, playing uh, against Manchester United at Old Trafford um, in '05, I think it was. Uh, got a nil-nil there and lost the return leg. Um, you know, and then we prior to that, we had an FA Cup third round against Liverpool at Yeovil. Um, so there's always, you know, there's always. You look back and you think, well, what would I have done differently? But you know, you end up just going where it takes you, and you have good experiences mm-hmm. along the way, and. and you know, from Exeter, I actually took a loan spell at one point at Chester, and Mark Wright was there. Um, yeah, I got a bit of fed up with things down there, and I wasn't seeing eye to eye with a manager, so let's get out of here, let's get a loan, and Chester came up, and um, 
didn't really think anything of it at the time until I signed and then realised the first game was at Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was uh, always going to be interesting. Yeah, so that was, the, the you know, uh, I, I guess after leaving Wrexham, I played them once in the FA Cup yeah. when I was at Yeovil and we, we, Wrexham came down and I think we won that game maybe 4-2 or 4-1. I think it was 4-1. Four, 4-1 four one, yeah, four yeah. One it was, yeah. And then the next time we played them was when I was at Chester. So. And... There'll be more than you scored, isn't you? <laughs> I scored again, that yeah, I know, in that game. It was, uh, um, uh, we were 2-0 down and, and uh, yeah, got, a, got, the, got the first and then we maybe might have pushed on for the for the next one. But um, yeah, it was a really good, in, it was a bit, bit weird at first, a bit <laughs> awkward, you know, to be playing against uh, a team that was really fond of the place. But uh, once you're playing, you're playing and then you scored the goal, which was good and but we lost the game overall, which was good for Wrexham. So. Yeah. What's it feel like going back? Sorry. What does that feel like? You know, I mean, uh, what sort of reception as a Wrexham player do you get when you when you go there, come on and race scores for Chester? Uh, I don't know. I think mostly it was pretty good. There's just, yeah. I guess you get a few people. You know, like there's, there's a couple of people giving you a bit of stick, like in every every situation that happens. Yeah. But I think um, it's been a long time, you know, since I've been there. And, uh, uh, I always enjoyed playing there, did my best there and, and scored some goals there. So I think I got some good response from um, some people. I think a lot of people yeah. wouldn't have a clue where I was. It's been a long time ago. And, um, and a lot of, I made a lot of close friends there with, with some of the fans and with some, with some of the staff and, and uh, friends in the town. You know, So um, there was a good support network. It was lovely to go back and see Joey and a few of the old coaches and, and some of the old... Um, Staff, secretaries, and this kind of thing. So that was really nice, you know. I must come back up and start, like watch a match or, yeah. or just see the see the place. I mean, I, I haven't been up in years, which is a shame. But I'd love to come back up and see a game soon. I, I must do that. You'd be scared of the standard of football as well, I promise you. <laughs> it's a bit uh, different. The, the, uh, the, the struggling there, you know. The, yeah, I mean, it's just it was such a shame to see yeah. them go down and down again. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this conference. It's such a difficult, I mean, yeah. it's such a difficult, it's almost like a championship. It's such a bloody hard league to get out of. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems that sort of League 2 to League 1 is not too bad of a jump, but this one is very difficult. Yeah. And then, and all of a sudden now with the conference, it's like another professional league and you're getting a lot of money behind a lot of these clubs and, and they're just getting mm. the players. And, and uh, unfortunately, Wrexham, I guess, have not been able yeah. to do that. It don't look like they're going to go back up any time no. soon. And, and yeah. it's like you say about Rush having finding it hard to adapt, you know, because Dean yeah. Saunders comes in and he's found it difficult, I think, to adapt to what's required. Um, yeah. And his philosophy was you know, bringing really good lads from the Premiership academies because they'll be so technically superior yeah. that they'll just yeah. run rings around the conference. But of That's course, right, in actual yeah. facts, they can't get the ball to play can't with it. it yeah. um, and, and so I think he's starting to realise now and he's starting to yeah. bring in more sort of gnarled old hands who can handle That's themselves right. but it's I think it'll be next season it'll be interesting to see whether that works you know he's a, it's really in transition now certain elements yeah. of the team look sound the defence is quite sound but creatively yeah. we've got very little I must say from my experience because I've had a few years in the conference my experience is that when guys do come down as managers from top flight or yeah. you know high divisions actually really struggle. They don't actually want to stay here that long it's, yeah. and a lot of them use it as a springboard but they, they do struggle because They've got no real understanding of the league, I think, and that's yeah. a big problem. And, and, and the guys that get promoted generally, are, are the managers have been there for a long time, or really know the know the players that you can 
there's a real art to it, I guess, in this division is getting the uh, is finding the players from the conference and below who you know will get your team promoted out of the conference. And, and there's a lot of good players in the lower leagues, but the managers like Dean might not have that network to find them or yeah. know how to find them. And they just you see they get these 18 year olds who are used to pretty football and the reserves for Premiership teams, and then you could throw them out on a pitch with you know two and a half thousand screaming fans, and you've got you know six or four part-time boxers coming through the back of you, smashing you. You know, it's a different, it's a different <laughs> animal. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you do have to. It's okay to have one or two of those players, yeah. um, but you you know you really have to get the right kind of mix of of player, and, and you know he's well maybe that's what he's going to be able to do. But you do need to have some proper non-league players, unfortunately. Yeah. I think. It's difficult because what's the answer then? The answer is what you go to the, the League One and Two and bring players down. Mm. But how do you get someone? To, how do you convince someone to leave exactly. League One to play in the Conference? Well, the only yeah. way you can do that is to offer him a ton of money. Because yeah. um, yeah. why would he do that? Yeah. So you're going to have to offer him, you know, fifty percent, eighty percent of what he's earning. So you actually, you know, you're mortgaging the club out to yeah. to get players to come down and and. and and the amount of times that happens is is, is is unbelievable because these players come down then on, you know, a ton more money. Mm. And what's the real incentive for them? You yeah, know, I mean, yeah. they're just coming for the money. So do they really care if this team goes up or not? They absolutely don't. Yeah. Um, so you get the wrong, you get like mercenary kind of players coming down and these are not going to, you know, run through brick walls for you to no. get your team promoted. And the guys coming from below actually although you say they're substandard they are hungry because yeah. they want to actually get up yeah. you know and they want that uh, success so actually maybe one or two players can come down but the players you need are the players yeah. that want to go go up you know yeah. so it's, it's, yeah. it's all very well saying that but you've got to get those hungry players and, and you don't get hungry players by yeah. cherry picking them and offering them yeah. you know doubling their wages and all that oh, yeah <laughs> Jigsaw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've just got to get the right players, swap them yeah. in from here and there, and then eventually let the sign. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen overnight. No, and a no, big, big club like Wrexham with the big sort of costs of running that stadium, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they, they want their success, they need it. Yeah. They can't, they can't be in the conference too much longer, I don't think. And so there you have it. Uh, there'll be another dragon talk along before too long, I'm sure. Uh, in the meantime, keep your eyes peeled on wrexhamfan.co.uk, all our usual podcasts up there, post-match reports and interviews, and our tactical reports, video blogs, our written blog and the like, they're all on there, and you can subscribe through our RSS feeds or via iTunes to our podcast too, so keep listening and let's hope we have some positive performances to report on before too long. Dragon Talk.